Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The Tabloid Queen. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. September 14, 1977, a 19-year-old American Mormon went missing on his mission in Great Britain. But it didn't make headlines. Not even close. But nearly overnight, and based on details that would shock, offend, and awe the British public, that would all change. Kirk Anderson and his abductors, fellow Mormon and beauty queen Joyce McKinney, and her admirer, Keith May, would turn the tabloid world upside down in a tale that includes the Mormon church, bondage, the Burbank Airport, kidnapping, cloned dogs, pornography, Holocaust survivors, and the Osmonds. Take a breath and buckle up. Today we're talking about the manacled Mormon case and the outrageous, controversial life of Joyce McKinney. Joy McKinney was born on August 6, 1949, a precocious only child to teachers of no particular religion, as far as I researched, living in remote North Carolina. Growing up in the scenic but rural Appalachian Mountains, Joy was bright and energetic and quickly acclimated to her local school's accelerated program. Though she allegedly had an IQ of 168, Joy was known more for being a cheerleader and drum majorette than a scholar. She went to college at East Tennessee University and then got a master's degree in drama from the University of North Carolina. Somewhere between college and grad school, Joy linked up with a Mormon family and eventually lived with them while finishing her studies. This is what turned her on and then converted her to the Church of Latter-day Saints. According to Joy, Mormonism was a way to be good, to rein in her highly volatile emotions and sexual urges, and of course, find a respectable, family-oriented husband. But interestingly enough, living concurrently with her religious fervor was her obsession with pageantry, drama, and spectacle. After grad school, Joy moved to Wyoming to fully give pageants a real go. After all, Wyoming was less populated and less competitive than both North Carolina or Tennessee. And she did it. In 1974, Joy, now Joyce, a name with a bit more maturity and gravitas, became Miss Wyoming World and then competed in the Miss USA pageant. 
Unfortunately, she lost and began thinking twice about the pageant life. Instead, she regrouped, deciding to go back to graduate school, this time to Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah, a Mormon academic's dream. In Provo, more paradoxes surfaced, mostly Joy's want for goodness and godliness and her want to date, get attention, and have sex. With her best friend, Joyce would cruise the local pizza parlor and ice cream shop for eligible men, smiling, flirting, running her fingers through her thick blonde bob. At a certain point, Joyce got access to Mormon royalty, at least the musical equivalent of Mormon royalty, when she met the Osmonds. Though Alan, Wayne, Merrill, and Jay Osmond had been a Utah-based group since the 50s, they had waxed and finally waned in prominence and were more embedded in the Mormon community than ever. Joyce was impressed and wanted to hang, big time. In Anthony Delano's book, Joyce McKinney and the Case of the Manacled Mormon, he notes that mother Olive Osmond flagged Joyce as a bad influence, wanting to keep the controversial beauty queen away from her boys. She tried, but she did not succeed. Joyce ended up dating the oldest of the boys, Wayne, for a while. Fortunately for Olive Osmond, their relationship was short-lived and not especially serious. Later, Wayne became engaged to a woman named Kathleen White, herself a former Miss Davis County Fair and Miss Utah of 1974. Of course, Joyce was heartbroken, but not for long. Joyce McKinney set her sights on someone new, someone very unlike Wayne Osmond. 25-year-old Joyce McKinney met a 19-year-old, 6'4", awkward janitor's son named Kirk Anderson. Their meet-cute is endearing, if bizarre. The two first encountered each other while admiring each other's Corvettes. Joyce had an orange one, Kirk, a white one. After meeting, they agreed to race? An impromptu Corvette race turned into a first date. The first date turned into more dates, and dates turned into sex, which wasn't good, especially for two devout Mormons. Overcome with guilt at having sex before marriage, a distraught Kirk decided, maybe with the help of some Mormon elders, to break things off with Joyce and get shipped out on a Mormon mission. Some accounts by Joyce say that she became pregnant, but miscarried, and that the two were actually engaged. Whatever happened and whatever they were to each other at the time, their relationship was over. The still teenage Kirk was flown out to East Ginstead, Reading, and eventually Epsom, England to get a fresh start. But McKinney wouldn't let this be another Wayne Osmond situation. Oh no. She wouldn't give up that easy, at all. Joyce hired a private detective agency to track down Kirk Anderson's whereabouts. It wasn't cheap and Joyce had no job. So to make ends meet and to pay the hefty agency fees, Joyce started working as what was known at the time as a glamour model, posing nude or in bondage-themed photo shoots. When modeling was slow, Joyce would also do some work as a call girl. During this two-year period of her life, Joyce's killer good looks, bubbly personality, and can-do attitude got the attention of many men, including one named Keith May. Keith would do anything for Joyce, including follow her to England once private investigators found Kirk Anderson's whereabouts, which is exactly what he did. As soon as the detective agency discovered that Kirk was working at a church in the Surrey village of Ewell, Joyce and Keith flew to England using false passports. Joyce was Kathy Von Barr and Keith... Paul Van Dusen. But they didn't just have fake passports. The pair also brought along chloroform, fake pistols, and fur-lined handcuffs on their own mission to capture Kirk Anderson and return him to Joyce's loving arms. When they arrived, the two rented a cottage in a nearby town, and on September 14, 1977, they drove to Ewell. Keith first connected with Kirk under the guise of being a potential convert to his congregation. 
At a certain point in the conversation, Keith invited Anderson to join him in his rental car and show him the local Mormon headquarters. As soon as Kirk got in, Keith pulled out a fake gun and forced him into the back seat, where he chloroformed him. Then Keith took an unconscious Kirk back to their cottage rental, where Joyce had everything set. She had cooked all of Kirk's favorite foods, fried chicken, mashed potatoes, and chocolate cake, and had the bedsheets monogrammed with Kirk's initials, silk sheets in a baby blue to match Kirk's eyes. After what I will assume was the most awkward dinner in the history of the human race, Keith used a 10-foot chain to tie Kirk to the bed, spread eagle. Then Joyce presented Kirk with a thousand-pound ring and offered to give him a back rub with cinnamon oil to relax him. He consented to this, but then what happened for the next three days is a bit up in the air, depending on who you ask. Different parties say different things, so just keep that in mind. Joyce claims she ripped off Kirk's sacred Mormon underwear and burned it. Quote, there was only one way to make Kirk get out of Mormonism, and that was to make love to him, because for a Mormon missionary to have a love affair is totally taboo. She claims that she never raped him, believing that it was impossible for a woman to rape a man, and the bondage was a, quote, game to ease Kirk's guilt about his sexual enjoyment after he had become impotent and recited a bunch of Mormon prayers. But Kirk says the sexual activity was absolutely not consensual and was repeated many times over the course of those three days. Kirk claims Joyce performed oral sex on him till he was aroused and raped him, wanting to get impregnated by him. On September 17, 1977, after three days, Kirk escaped and went to the police, who promptly arrested Joyce and Keith. In Joyce's version, however, there's a lot of very hot, consensual sex, with Kirk so enamored with the beauty queen that he promised to marry her. She said, quote, I tore off his pajamas, but that was because I wanted to please him. It was bombs, firecrackers, and the 4th of July every time he kissed me. Then, after three days, Keith and Joyce release him and bring him back to London, where the three have a nice dinner at the Hard Rock Cafe. From there, Kirk left to go for a quick visit to the Mormon Tabernacle, happy as can be, but surprisingly, came back to Joyce and Keith with the police. The two were then arrested in a little British police sting operation. Joyce later claimed that the cops had been bribed by the Mormons to arrest them, that again, they pressured Kirk to claim he was kidnapped when he wasn't. Either way, Joyce McKinney and Keith May were faced with a whole slew of charges, including forcible abduction, false imprisonment, assault, and possession of imitation firearms with criminal intent. Joyce and Keith were sent to Holloway Prison for three months, awaiting their respective trials. While in prison, Joyce desperately tried to get her story to the media, demanding the British press's strict reporting restrictions be lifted. When she got her wish, the nature of criminal and celebrity reporting changed her future and the future of media forever. Let's take a break. You can live out your MasterChef dream. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now... All you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, 
and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hi. Hello. How are you? Hello. This is the check-in. We're here. You're here. I'm here. It's playing. You press the play button. I mean, button. you were somewhere. Yeah. Um, existing somewhere and we're existing somewhere and we should all be made aware of that yeah by me right now whoa oh boy whoa (laughs) sorry i did a lot of meditating in the past couple days all this religion talk's really getting to you yeah truly truly really inspiring work well let's see who who you kidnap Mm. we'll see we want to say hello to anyone who's listening supporting the show spreading the good word Mm -hmm. we want to bring it all around Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to keep order in this chaos Order in the courts. Order in the courts. Separation of church and state. <laughs> not here. No, it's nah. a sloppy. Yeah, a melange All of who knows what. Up. Yeah, topsy turvy. Our mayors rip from the headlines <laughs> of the National Enquirer. Whoa, Charlie Gilbert. Hello. Ripped from the headlines <laughs> of the Daily Zoinks. <laughs> Whoa. Ashley Matson. Hello. <laughs> ripped from the headlines of National Geographic. That's nice. Kat Joselle. Hello. And our governor. Mm-hmm. Ripped from the pages of the good book. <laughs> I was just going to make a joke about the Bible. We the did it. The good book. The Bible according to <laughs> our governor. Avian Noble. So if you want no ads, no chit-chat, just the good stuff, bonus episodes, you don't want to hear any nonsense, patreon.com slash ghost town pod. And actually, uh, Kat Joselle sent me uh, a gift, I think. I asked really? her if, if I can give her the money for it. Um, I don't want to say where she was. I, I don't know how private she is. So I don't want to say where she was, what she was doing. But um, yeah. So What? I didn't get a gift. No. You don't. The thing with you is, you want for nothing. Isn't that your motto? I want <laughs> no, for nothing. I want yeah. for everything. No, you got that wrong. I want I, for everything. I thought you were. I thought you were spiritual and religious. Now I thought. Oh wow, uh, God! Uh, you know, I material do all goods this shit for everybody else, and all the gifts are flying, and Jason talks about it, and look at me, this dumpy old me sitting here. <laughs> well, wow! You know. I see. Yeah. I see. Well, yes. I I'll do better. Yeah. <laughs> and I will do the exact same thing because it's working for me. Clearly. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Let's get back to England. Let's get back to where we've got a trial going on. At her hearing, Joyce McKinney's lawyer claimed that his client lived in fear of the Mormon church and that her love for Kirk Anderson was the underlying motive for everything. Though she wasn't allowed to testify, in a statement, Joyce said that she loved Kirk so much, quote, that I would have skied down Mount Everest in the nude with a carnation up my nose if he asked me to. But along with love, Joyce seemed to have her own sexual agenda. She talked to the court about the erotic benefits of oral sex, kink, and bondage. According to reporting from Jean Rook of the Daily Express, quote, "...never had a woman laid her soul and everything else so bare." 
or declared her passion in such richly scented, spine-chilling language. But things had changed. Now, she told the court, Joyce was sure Kirk was no longer worthy of her love and pleaded with officials to release her so she could get counseled through her loss and heartache. Under the UK Sexual Offenses Act of 1956, because the victim was male, no crime of rape had been committed, though indecent assault of a man did apply. With her looks, her personality, and now her incredibly wild story, Joyce became the darling of the British tabloids, known as the center of the, quote, manacled Mormon case. For the three months she was in prison, it was as if she studied the tabloids themselves and fashioned herself to be exactly what they might want. Quote, she knew how to turn a phrase, did Joyce, said Mike Malloy, the Daily Mirror's editor at the time. Like everyone else, and not just in the tabloid press, I was riveted. Though Britain was in a recession, everyone had money to pay the media to get the newest, most scintillating developments on the wronged or evil, depending on who you asked, Mormon beauty queen. We went to the London premiere of Saturday Night Fever. There's a picture of her looking very cozy with Keith Moon, who was also in attendance, and any and every high-profile party, especially if paparazzi was involved. Joyce fed into the frenzy, in and out of the courtroom. In the van on the way to her trial, she pressed an open Bible to the window with the message, quote, He had sex with me for four days. Please get the truth to the public. He made it look like a kidnapping. The tabloid loved every minute, and seemingly so did Joyce. In interviews, she said she'd be writing both a book and a screenplay about her story very soon. This all happened while Keith and Joyce lived in the UK, awaiting sentencing. Despite their exciting life, at least on Joyce's part, on April 12, 1978, the two jumped bail, fleeing to the US via Canada on false passports, pretending to be deaf mutes. I left, I didn't flee, she insists. Their trial began without them on May 2, 1978, and the two were sentenced in absentia to a year in prison. No extradition proceedings were instituted by Britain, though the case did cost British taxpayers over £100,000 to try and adjudicate. But in America, the FBI was also onto the duo. On July 18, 1979, while back in the U.S., Joyce and Keith were arrested for making false statements in order to obtain passports. They both received suspended sentences. Not content to be out of the public eye, Joyce decided to sell her story to a British tabloid, the Daily Express, for £40,000, which would be approximately $80,000 today. It was another mission with overblown, often ridiculous follow-through. In the Errol Morris documentary Tabloid, a journalist describes how Joyce and Keith May wore various disguises to meet with him, including dressing up as Native Americans. But if Joyce and Keith went to the Express, it was no sweat to the Mirror, who had their own juicy content. They had found some photos from back when Joyce was a glamour model and call girl. The Daily Mirror reported on Joyce's days giving oral sex as a call girl, and Joyce denied it all when the story went to print, though she later admitted that it was true. This was really the culmination of the all-out war of the British tabloids for dominion of the salacious and enduring story of Joyce McKinney. But while press did die down, Joyce never quite gave up her bizarre pursuit of Kirk Anderson, who had gone on to get married and have children. In 1984, Joyce McKinney was living in her vehicle near the Salt Lake City International Airport, where Anderson worked, and was soon arrested for stalking him. A search of the vehicle uncovered roadmaps, rope, handcuffs, and notebooks keeping detailed records of Anderson's routines. Joyce insisted that she had driven to the airport to book a flight, though it was later revealed that she had driven several thousand miles from her then-home in North Carolina. In 2008, under the fake name Bernan McKinney, it was made known that Joyce had flown to South Korea to spend $25,000 to clone her dead pit bull booger from his old skin cells. This excursion yielded her five cloned puppies and a couple more media headlines. 
That same year, it was reported that McKinney had been accused of telling a 15-year-old boy to break into a house in Tennessee so that she could buy a prosthetic leg for her horse. She was subsequently charged with criminal conspiracy to commit aggravated burglary and contributing to the delinquency of a minor, but again, jumped bail. In 2010, Errol Morris made the excellent film Tabloid about Joyce's life and crimes. Joyce cooperated with the production of the film, but in 2016, she filed a lawsuit against Morris, claiming the documentary had misrepresented her. She also claimed that the production had broken into her home, stolen personal items for the film, and threatened the life of her service dog if she didn't cooperate. In one interview, Morris's rep stated that, quote, evidence will show that McKinney willingly, in fact, eagerly, participated in the lengthy interview that is featured in the film. The charges have since been dismissed. Currently, Kirk Anderson is a real estate agent who lives a private life in Utah with his wife and kids. Keith May, McKinney's kidnapping co-conspirator, died in 2004. At one point, Joyce lived in the South Carolina mountains, but more recently, she resides right here in Los Angeles, California, in the San Fernando Valley. How do we know this? Well, in July 2019, the Los Angeles Police Department's Valley Traffic Division named Joyce as being involved in a fatal hit-and-run, an event that killed 91-year-old North Hollywood resident and Holocaust survivor Gennady Belotsky. The incident took place in Valley Village on June 16, 2019, when Joyce struck Belotsky in her pickup truck while he was walking his dog at a crosswalk on Magnolia Boulevard and Wilkinson Avenue surveillance video of the event was circulated to the public, and locals identified the car as that of a then-unidentified homeless woman. On June 21, 2019, investigators found the truck parked near the Burbank Airport, where Joyce and her three dogs were found. With outstanding warrants for battery and public nuisance, Joyce was booked at Valley Jail Division in Van Nuys. She was ordered to a psychiatric evaluation, and later in 2019, she was sent to the Los Angeles Court Division for Mentally Incompetent Defendants, and taken to the Metropolitan State Hospital in Norwalk. According to my research, she is still in Van Nuys awaiting her trial. It's a pretty wild story, and you might say sad. There are lots of ways to describe the life of Joyce McKinney, but none of those words are boring. Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. 
Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.